Today's episode is brought to you by the podcast Rooted in Retail by Crystal Vilkaitis. Rooted in Retail is dedicated to helping you, the independent retailer, thrive in an ever-changing landscape. Crystal has incredible guests with years of experience in and around retail on every week. She's inventive, creative, inspiring, and a fantastic interviewer. From marketing to mindset, from merchandising to money, from sales to leadership, they really cover it all. It is seriously such a great podcast for small businesses and independent retailers to listen to. There are new episodes that come out every Sunday. You get to hear from voices all around the industry. Also, join her Rise and Shine newsletter, which is social media news that you need to know sent via email every Monday. You can go to crystalmediaco.com slash rise to join. And Crystal will be hosting her annual Evolve Marketing and Social Media Conference in Denver in April 2024. Until the end of 2023, you can get super early bird pricing. So that's still going on, but time is running out. I attended this conference last year and will again in 2024. There are great speakers and great lessons. I took away a notebook full of information last year, and I'm still implementing many of those things now. I absolutely recommend that you sign up to attend. If for nothing else, then I'd love to meet you in person. You can use the link in the show notes to register for that conference. Rooted in Retail and Crystal Media, they are rooting for your success. Now on to our show. Welcome to the Main Street Matters by Heart on Main Street podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to helping the independent retail community by sharing their stories and providing tips on how to grow your business and thrive within your local community. I am your host, Patrick Kaiser, and I am so excited to be back with you today. So let's get rolling. A couple notes before we dive into our content for today. As I mentioned in the last episode and had been teasing in episodes before, our merch shop is open and available now. You can go to heartonmainstreet.org shop to buy t-shirts, hoodies, water bottles, tote bags, and so many other things. I've seen some people already buy things. I'm excited for you all to get your product very soon. The money generated from this will go towards our mission to help Main Street retailers thrive. So it is a good cause. Order now for that perfect holiday present for someone in your life. And if it doesn't arrive on time, you can always do the Heart on Main Street family tradition of printing out a picture of what will be coming and then being able to give that. Again, you can find that at heartonmainstreet.org shop. If you'd like to support our organizations in other ways, you can register for one of our webinars through our website as well. Every month, we strive to bring you great educational content for free with experts in their fields. This year alone, we've talked about social media skills, event planning, visual merchandising, customer experience strategies, holiday window decorating, price setting, live selling, job posting, interviewing, and so many other things. You can also find a great network of companies that specialize in helping independent retailers through our website. We call it our Friends of Main Street Network. These are companies that provide services to independent retailers. They know your challenges. They know your business. They want to help you be more successful. You can find marketing companies, social media companies, visual merchandisers, financial services, companies that help with legal advice, real estate advice, website development, design and branding companies, all sorts of things to help you grow. 
Again, you can find all of that on our website, heartonmainstreet.org. And of course, you can also make a donation to Heart on Main Street through our website. We are a 501c3. All donations are tax deductible. Right now, through the end of the year, we will be raising money for retailers that were impacted by tornadoes within central Tennessee. These areas were really devastated by some very severe storms that went through, especially in the town of Hendersonville, Tennessee, which a tornado went straight through their Main Street area and really had a huge impact on a lot of the retail businesses there. So any donation that you make from now until the end of 2023 will go directly to a retailer that was impacted by those tornadoes. Lastly, we are going to have a live in-person Main Street Mastery education event in Dallas on January 10th during the Dallas Total Home and Gift Trade Show. We're gonna have Lynn Falk from Retail Works Inc. there. She'll be talking about store design and visual merchandising ideas. So if you're a home or gift store or sell those items or want to learn more about this topic or even just want to meet up in person, definitely register for this event. Spots are limited and they have been filling up. You can register to, for this through our website that again is heartonmainstreet.org. And that is enough announcements for today. Let's get into our content. Last week, I had the opportunity to do a webinar with Josh Orr. Now, Josh, in addition to being my former neighbor when we both lived in Fort Worth, Texas about a decade ago, neither of us knowing of each other's existence, but Josh is also the founder of Capital Commerce. Capital Commerce is a full-service e-commerce agency for retailers. It helps brick-and-mortar retailers launch and grow their online stores. This means creating beautiful, high-converting sites that capture in-store experiences and create plans to both drive traffic and keep customers coming back. Josh has worked with hundreds of retailers on site design, email and marketing strategy, increasing conversion rates, social media and management, and so many other things. When I went onto his website and read some of the testimonials, honestly, I was blown away. Some of my favorite testimonials on there were about retailers who had spent a decade achieving a million dollar business and then were able to, with his help, do that same million dollars in one year of their e-commerce. So he has a fantastic company that is honestly really helping retailers grow. So in this webinar, which you can always register for our webinars at heartonmainstreet.org education, you can see the next several that we have coming up. You can also rewatch our webinars at the same area, and we also have a past webinars section there. But we're talking about how brick and, mortars, brick and mortar stores can really gain traction in 2024, which I think is such an important topic. I know a lot of retailers out there know that they need to have an online presence, but there's a fear, there's a trepidation around it. How do I really establish that? What should my online presence look like? How does that really reflect my store? Or is it just a advertisement for my store? There are so many different plates spinning for retailers as well that, you know, really having a functioning website and putting a lot of investment into that is a daunting task. So Josh talks to us about mindset, about what our website, really the, the theme, the reflection of it should be. How do we get that to be an extension of 
our store, be an online extension of that, another branch of our store. Amazing information. I took away so much. I really loved this conversation with, with Josh. So I will turn it over to him to tell you more. Well, let's dig into what I want to talk about today, which is like, what does it look like for brick and mortar retailers to, to grow online? And what the biggest thing is actually, the biggest thing I want you taking away today is in the title. And it is that us as retailers, you are more than a store. What you do for your customers, not just sell a product, there's something on the other side of that product, an impact that you make in your customer's life. You know, there's some easy examples. If you're like a size inclusive brand and you sell a dress that a woman feels beautiful in, you just, you did more than sell a dress. You gave confidence. Uh, you gave this feeling that she is beautiful. And when you do that, you're making an impact. And it doesn't have to just be in the size inclusive world. I think this is true of gifts, of home decor, of clothing, of you name it. I think that this is true of those pieces. And so I want to talk today about what does it look like to take that impact that you're making in your customers and their life and bring that into the storefront. Um, Patrick, your introduction was very generous and helpful. If we haven't met before, my name is Josh Orr. I started Capital Commerce. We are a digital agency that really we help brick and mortar retailers gain traction online through a bunch of different ways. Um, my shameless plug that I'll make, this is the one big plug, is if you're on Instagram and you don't follow me at Retail Josh, follow me at Retail Josh. I share a bunch of tips and tactics around growing online sales, occasional cute pictures of my kids, and I we put out a ton of content there. Um, so let's get into the meat of the content. And then again, if you have questions, put those in the chat. Patrick's already said, like he's gonna be super helpful in making sure that I see all the questions and everything else. And so we'll make sure and circle back to as much as we can. If you think about what it takes to gain traction online, like it's really a few things. It's your plan and your strategy around how we're getting people into our site and or storefront. Then like, how are we converting that traffic into paying customers? And then not just how are we getting one-time purchases, but getting two, three, four. And the problem here is like, okay, that sounds great. That sounds easy. But within all of these is a ton of strategy, a ton of tactics. And so what I want you to leave today is a clear strategy. Because what I don't want it to be like, you know, we're coming up on the new year. And I don't know if you're like me, but every new year, I'm like, this is the year. Like, this is the year I'm going to get in shape. This is the year I'm going to look great. And I will go to the gym and I'll like do a little bit of this. I'll do a little bit of that. And I'll kind of just walk mosey around and then I'll do it for three weeks. You know, that's how long it takes to build a habit. And at the end of the three weeks, I look in the mirror and I don't quite look like I thought I would three weeks later. Now, why is that? It's because I was really busy in the gym I was active, I was there, but I didn't actually have a strategy. I was busy, but I wasn't necessarily focused on the right things. And so my hope for you today is when it comes to online sales, to let you not just kind of mosey around or get on the hamster wheel, but really know where exactly to focus if this is a goal. And for those of you that have questions of like, should this be a goal? I'm happy to jam on that at the end. But here's what I wanna to cover today. 
Um, one is a concept that I call the new retail. I think we can all agree that retail is shifting. And so I'm going to dig into what does that shift look like and how do we think about it? Um, then how do we start to create a multi-channel brand, meaning like reaching people through multiple channels and multiple ways that customers engage with us? Um, then I want to dig into probably my most controversial topic, which is the power of one, speaking about your customer. And then lastly, the, the secret sauce, taking what you do in store and those amazing things you do in your storefront and bringing that online. Does that sound good? Okay, yeah. perfect. Let's dig into it. So first, the new retail. This is really the biggest mindset shift. And if you leave with anything today, I hope it's this. Uh, if you, let's talk about the old way of retail. We, you know, we started and we we're like, okay, we're going to open a storefront. And that's great. Like, we're really proud of what we're doing in store. And then we're like, oh, COVID shut our store down or whatever. Let's go get a website. And so our store launches a website and our store launches an Instagram and our store launches, you name the channel. Now, what's the problem here? Well, the problem here is that online, this really translates to a website about the store. It's not a website about how you help your customer. Your customer is coming to you looking for a solution and we're pointing them somewhere else. And the only way that we can show up and serve our customer is if they visit our store. Well, is it possible that you can solve their problem online as well? And so instead, what if we shifted away from being a store that has a website to really being a brand and a brand that, that is obsessed with serving its customer? It's obsessed with showing up and solving their problem, no matter where people engage you. And so when we do this, we can look at what our brand does best and how it really helps. And we then see that experience play out through an in-store experience. And we see it play out through an online experience. And we see it play out through a social media experience. No matter where people engage your brand, we want to be capable of solving our customers' problems. This isn't necessarily just about you know making more money on another sales channel, this is about serving our customers because they're coming to you, they're sitting on their phone, they're wanting that perfect gift or they want this amazing outfit and they're browsing on their phone at night while they're having wine with their spouse, watching a TV show and they're looking to your brand. And if we wanna make sure that we can show up and solve the same problems that we're able to in our storefront. So how does that look online? Well, that looks like a site that your customer feels the same thing they feel when they visit your store. We are we can solve the same problem that we do in our store. Now I'm kind of showing you an extreme brand here, but if you met this if you met this woman, you'd get it. Like you would see you that feel, you can feel her her personality. Oh yeah. Oh, we're going to get in we're going to dive more into her here in a second. Um so taking that, now let's start to say okay, how do we translate I'm going to go a layer deeper each time. So how do we take that idea and start to translate that to, okay, if we need to be a, go from a store to a brand, how do we be a brand? What does that mean? Well, there are three big things that a brand is made of. There are visuals. This is the obvious one. This is logos, colors, fonts, photography. There is voice, like how your brand communicates. And then there's the brand experience. This is what your brand does. 
And so let's talk through visuals. You know, this is having cohesive fonts, colors, logos. That's the easy stuff. And that then translates into graphics. And that's even a big part of your store aesthetic. If any of you have ever been in an anthropology before, which I would guess a lot of us have, if I blindfolded you and I put you in the corner of one, you probably would only have to step out like three steps before you're like, yep, anthropology, that's where I am. Because their, their aesthetic is so honed in. And if you visit their website, it's the same aesthetic. They bottle that up really well. And that's just visuals. That's one part of it. Then we get to voice. This is our tone, our personality. And a lot of us like in store, we're really fun and, and engaging and online, we're really serious. And, you know, we don't talk like we actually talk. So our product descriptions honestly become boring because we think that we have to sound professional and really we need to sound like our brand sounds, yeah. which is fun and, and engaging or whatever that means for you. And this is our brand personality. Like if your brand were a person, how would they act? Would they be the jokester? Would they be the snarky one or sarcastic one? Are they the super friendly connector that everyone feels like they're best friends with from the second they meet? There's personality traits that brands can take on. And what would that mean for your brand? And then we get to the experience side of things. And this is, you know, built up of three big pieces. This is one, the service. How do you serve your customer? Number two, your superpower is what I like to call it. You could to put this in businessy terms, this would be your unique selling proposition. What do you do best? And then the last one is like solving their problem. What tactically do we do to solve our customers' problems? And I don't mean like their deep problems of like, hey, I need help with my marriage. <laughs> I mean, like I need something to wear to this thing or whatever. I need to find a gift for Christmas. I need to find a, you know, yeah, solving that right. problem. Yeah, maybe some of you are helping with marriages. I don't know. But oh. that isn't that isn't the typical MO. But when we combine all of these things, that's what really creates a brand feeling. Because ultimately, like how things make us feel is what we remember. Like when you walk into a store and you feel something, you're like, you know, have you ever found that store where you're like, oh my gosh, someone made this for someone like me. And that feeling you get when you visit that storefront, and not everyone's going to feel that way about you, but your customer will. The person that's your customer will feel that way. We want to figure out, okay, if they feel that in store, how do we bottle up our visuals, our voice, and our experience to elicit the same feeling? It's kind of like if you know you visit Disney World. I have little kids, so that's where my examples go. You visit Disney World, and there's this feeling that Disney is brilliant at bringing out. But if I show you pictures of Disney World, do you feel the same thing? You really don't. Like it's not, it's not the same. So pictures of our store don't make people feel like they do when they're in our store. That's why I used that example earlier of the picture of yeah. the storefront as the main image because it doesn't elicit the same feeling. But if you watch Frozen, do you feel something similar to what you feel when you visit Disney World? Absolutely. They look so different, yet it, they bring that Disney feeling out. Is this making sense? Just so I know, is this resonating with those of you that are here? Has this been helpful so far and kind of seeing the mindset shift about how to approach 
online or any questions up to this point? Because I'm kind of starting at the the brainy stuff and then we're going to get really tactical. But I just love the idea that, I mean, you're so right on online. We feel it's, I have to, a product description needs to be just, you know, got it from the vendor or it's just this uh, nuts and bolts. This is what it is. You can put your tone, you can put your personality into that. It can reflect your brand and who you are, even in in things like that. So awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, dude, the big difference, the big difference is most of us in our storefronts know that we do so much for our customer. And we know, like we feel it, we get that we're really helping them with more than just the product. But when it comes to online, we just sell the product. We are only about selling products. And, you know, in store, someone walks in and you don't just start talking about yourself. Like you probably are more obsessed with making them feel understood than you are them understanding you. But online, what do we do? We make it all about us. Yeah. And and it's, you know, our logo's massive, our hero image, that big one on the top is all about us. And you scroll down and it's more stuff about us. And we just talk about us where great brands the customer lands on the site and feels like someone understands them. One is about someone, I call it like that guy marketing, like that guy at the bar that just talks about himself. When we're (laughs) that guy online, we make our websites about us and people understanding our brand. When we are like in the new retail and taking on this idea, we make our site one where someone lands and feels understood. And when that's adopted, like that's the game changer. So, you know, to kind of keep going in this, when we take that brand feeling, is it creates what I call like that yes moment. It's that same feeling of when you walk into a store that is just built for you, like your interests and what you like, and you just resonate with the whole vibe. And you walk in and you're like, oh my gosh, someone made a store for people like me. When we capture these things well, that's what creates that online. But the big part of that is knowing who are we doing that for? Who are we making feel like that? Because we need to understand who they are if we're going to make them feel understood. And that's where the power of one comes in. The idea of having one perfect customer. We don't serve women between the ages of 20 and 65. We have a perfect customer who is 34 years old, has three kids and, you know, works part-time or full-time or whatever. And we hone in on who that is. And, and I'm going to dig into exactly what I mean by that. But the cool thing here is when you think about that 34 year old, a lot of us get really nervous that we're going to all of a sudden lose all this business. Cause you're like, well, I do have customers that are 20 and I do have customers that are 65, but the problem is. If you buy for that, if you're like, hey, I need to buy for 20-year-olds and I need to buy for 65-year-olds, does anybody come into your store and feel like it's for them? Does having a little bit of everything for everyone make anyone feel like the store is about them? No. And so that's going to lead to lower cart values, lower average order values. uh, And ultimately, no one becomes a raving fan. What we want to do is create raving fans that want to buy from you again and again and again. So the good news is, is if you have that 34-year-old, well, we know 20-year-olds 
that tend to resonate with a more mature group and they don't resonate with their peers. And so they're going to buy from brands that cater to an older group. And we all know 65 year olds that if they landed on a website built for 65 year olds, they're going to be like, that's not me. I'm younger than that. Yeah. And they're going to buy from those same brands. And so it's like, you really cater to that life stage and then you end up catching the broader audience that resonates with that same style that resonates with that same era of life. And so when we dig into that, you know, I like to look at three different levels of understanding. The first is who they are. This is the obvious stuff. This is their age. I like to pick a specific age, but let's be real. Like there's 28 year olds that have a very similar life stage to a 34 year old, depending on their marital status and kids and income and all of that. But I like to pick one. What is their income level? Are they married or are they single? Do they have kids? Where are they? Like, do, are they in a big city? Are they in a more rural area? What do these things look like? But we don't just end there because demographics only get us so far. Technically, by demographics, Ozzy Osbourne and King Charles are identical. <laughs> same region, same city, same income level-ish, uh, same, exact same age. All of these things, they are identical, yet I think we can all agree that Ozzy Osbourne and King Charles are not shopping with the same brands. Probably not. No, that's uh, nope. If they did, it would be really interesting. But Yeah. Yeah, so we want to dig a layer deeper and start to look, okay, how do they shop? Like, what is it What is it that they look for? Um, you know, a lot of times people, some shop by styles or some shop more like brand-centric or look-centric. And this applies to gift and home decor and hobby. You name the industry, like these concepts still apply. Or are there multiple ways that they look for things? Like if you're in the hobby space, a lot of people may be shopping via education and then just buying off of educational things. You know, they're wanting to understand how to get into something, but these are way different ways that our customers shop. And in store, what does this look like? When someone walks into your storefront, what questions do they start to ask you? And then we want to get to some of the deeper things with them. Like, what is their deeper why? Why do they get out of bed in the morning? Or what keeps them up at night? These are things like their hopes and dreams and fears and insecurities. And what's amazing is when we start to understand these things, it fuels our marketing, it fuels our content, it fuels a lot of things that we do. And so, for example, let's say your perfect customer is a young mom and she's insecure that she just isn't the mom that has it all together like the women she sees on Instagram. Well, your content can be a funny reel about being the mom who doesn't have it all together. Your customer will resonate with that because you're speaking to an insecurity, but you're saying, hey, you're not the only one. That content connects much deeper than choosing our content based on what box UPS dropped off that day. When we're speaking to their, to their hopes and their dreams and their fears and their insecurities, it's much more effective than UPS dropped this off. There's our reel. <laughs> There's our post next week. Um, and so we, we base all these things around our customer. And so to go back to what I said earlier, if we only have one customer, will we only sell to that one customer? Absolutely not. You sell to that life stage and then everyone that kind of resonates with that. And if you're curious, like, do I think there are exceptions to this? There's a few, not a lot. Um, I would say anything that is identity-based, 
So for example, a music store, a guitar player is a guitar player, whether they're seven, 70 or 37. At the end of the day, they play guitar. It's the identity of a guitar player, hobby based things, things that are about like, I'm a quilter. Okay. You don't have, so the only thing you really skip in there is the demographics and then you still move it to everything else. But when it comes to, for the most part, home decor, apparel, even in a lot of gift areas, I think these things still apply. Um, so that's the the nuance that I'll give because I know that uh, that one's kind of the hardest one to work through. So let's start to get tactical and talk about how we kind of take these things, take the things that we're amazing at in store, and how do we bottle those pieces up and bring that into an online experience? And so I want to look at three big things and give you some examples. And hopefully you're going to leave with some really good ideas that you can implement quickly into your own sites. Um, so first is going to be the first impression. Then I want to get into your superpower. How do we translate that online? And then how do we bring our service, like what it is that we actually do and how do we bring that into our online experience. So let's talk about the first impression. When someone walks into your store, we probably greet people in a certain way. We merchandise in a certain way. Our store aesthetic is set up to do something. And it, I would say it's to make them feel what? I think a lot of us would fill in the word welcome. Like we want them to feel welcomed when they come in. And I think that's true. We may say we want them to feel joyful or we want them to feel happy or any of those pieces. But I think deep down, we really want people coming in and saying, I'm in the right place. Like this is for people like me. And that is a strong feeling that creates a bigger connection. But online, that's really hard to translate sometimes. And so to go back to my example earlier, I want to introduce you to my friend, Becca. Um, she has a really fun storefront in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, it's called Hale House. And she is this like fun, bubbly personality, a little bougie. Uh, her style's very much like I've been dressing for a Taylor Swift concert for the last 10 years. Like that's that's her thing. It's a lot of pink, a lot of pink. But her online experience was this. Now, if you resonate with that first picture and you're like, yeah, that's me. I need more pink in my life. Do you land here and say, yeah, I'm in the right place? No, you don't. There's a disconnect between who you are and what you look for and that first impression. Because the reality is the thing that hurts most of our sales more than anything is what's called the bounce rate. And the bounce rate is someone lands on your site and they quickly, in the back of their head, they don't even mean to do this. They just answer the question in a half of a second. Is this for people like me? And if they don't quickly come to the answer of yes, they click back. And that back, back button is stealing more sales than Amazon ever could because of the way we manage our first impression with our customer. And so instead, like we redid the way her first impression and now like you land here and if you resonate with that customer, you're going to land here and say like, yes, this is for people like me. And so this comes to life through our image, typically through our imagery and our copy. The images that we use in our photography 
in the copy, instead of saying, welcome to my store, we can, because the word saying welcome to my store online doesn't actually make them feel welcome. But if we can say something that's around what they're thinking about right now, the moments in their life, the seasons in their life or the events or whatever problem they have, and we can speak to that, that makes them feel like they're in the right place. And so one thing I do want to give you um, is we have an awesome toolkit that I think you'll find really helpful. And this is totally free. Um, if you go to madebycapital.com slash toolkit, we have Canva templates with a bunch of different hero images. They're broken up by industry. So we have like clothing boutiques, home decor, gift, toy, you name it. We have a ton of industries in there. We have our uh, SEO ebook, which is about like, I'm obsessed with only doing what you have to do and not making it a full-time job. Uh, we have some email automation templates, um, our toolkit recommendations, which is like, especially if you're on Shopify, what apps we love and what themes we love and all of that good stuff. And you can get that at madebycapital.com slash toolkit. If you're going to do anything today, you can go get a Canva template, change your hero image using one of these templates and just swap that out. That will take you 10, 15 minutes to do. Like that's the low hanging fruit action that you can do today is manage that first impression. And so use, use these tools and implement it into your business. And Josh, okay. just for clarification, that hero image is the kind of first thing that people see, right? Is that uh, big image on top. Yep. Okay. Good. So yeah, people could go out there, change that first that first impression, and that that'll make mm -hmm. a a start in the right direction. Exactly. And so then we start to think like, okay, what is our superpower? And so the question I ask is like, what do you do for your customers better than anybody else? Easy way to, to answer this would be if one of your customers texted one of their friends and they're, they're like, hey, if you're looking for blank, you have to go to Josh's store. What would that blank be? This could be a outfit for an event. This could be dresses. This could be uh, denim. This could be gifts for these type of people. These could be, if you're looking to get started in this hobby, like you... It doesn't have to be like this grand superpower of, you know, something big and aspirational. It really can be something pretty normal and that's okay. But some examples of superpowers, like my, I have a good friend that I teach a class with and in store, they are brilliant stylists. And in their product photos, they show how they're putting these things together just to create outfits that are unreal. Well, you can bring that superpower online by easy things like, on the product page, we added in the ability to buy everything in that product image in one place. So instead of browsing around and having to style yourself on a website, which is what most of us do, we added this in. And typically there's apps that you can implement yourself that do this, um, but uh, complete the look. Or to go even more simple than that, do we communicate it just quickly like our hero image? Uh, this is a little bit of an older hero, but Easter outfit inspo. This is great to show like, hey, we are very much focused on seasons. And if you need amazing outfits, that's our superpower. You're in the right place. And so swapping out that hero. And so during the holidays, we're kind of at the end of e-commerce holiday, at least tomorrow is the last, typically the last shipping day. 
that you would communicate. But looking into 2024, you know, put having these kind of hero images around the perfect gift, around winter type things, or thinking about vacations that people are taking, we can communicate that through these images. And then lastly is how you serve. This is the actual service that happens in your storefront. And so I like to think about, I kind of roll, what I love to do with our clients is like we actually role play through their storefront. So we don't just land on bells and whistles because they're fancy bells and whistles. We role play through like, okay, when someone walks in, where do they walk and what questions do you ask? So think through, okay, what questions are you asking people when they come in? Let's assume they want to talk with you. Like what type of questions are you asking? What are you helping them with? So there's typically follow-up questions. How is your customer shopping? And really, heck, how are you merchandising your store? And that is what helps us start to build out like, okay, what does our site experience need to look like? So instead of picking a theme and just filling it out like it's a software, we're really merchandising our site because that's what it is. It's merchandising a sales channel. And so I love to think of it through three different types of traffic that you have. You have three different types of people that visit your site. You have some people that are on a product search. They're looking for this exact, uh, I think this is a free fly shirt, this exact free fly shirt in a size extra large. Then you have people that they're not looking for this shirt. They're looking for a shirt. <laughs> they're looking for something to wear for X event. And then you have browsing traffic. People that are just bored and they landed on your site for some reason, you know, in store, we all know these people. They probably hang out at the front counter a little bit too long. We've all been there. Um, and so let's look at what that experience looks like based on who they are. Because it, typically, as retailers, what we can do is we're professional shoppers. We are professional shoppers, but we build side experiences around how we shop. And so what this concept is designed to do is put yourself in the shoes of someone that shops differently than you do, because you probably can navigate sites really quickly, but your customer might think about things in a different way. And we want to make sure that our experience is built around how they might think, not just how you shop. And so the first is product-based traffic, looking for this shirt in size extra large. The obvious one here is search. Does your search function as it should? If you're on Shopify, this is typically a feature of the theme. You think it would be of just Shopify, but it's your theme that drives the quality of the search. Um, and so there are apps that you can use that will supplement the search. But one of my favorite things to do is to use an app called Search and Discovery. It's a free Shopify app. But what you can do there is you can view report, you can go into the Shopify reports and they have reports that are like top online searches with no results. And you can take those things and create synonyms, meaning I searched for the, like this, the brand is called Freefly, is the name that's a really cool like outdoor men's brand, but it's all one word. And I searched for it as two words. It would have given me no results. So you see, oh, guys are searching for these as two words. Let's create a synonym that if people search for this, it's gonna go ahead and go to Freefly with no spaces. You can, you can do some of those things, but we wanna make sure that our search works like it's supposed to. We have solution-based traffic. A lot of times this is great to do through your navigation. A lot of times online, like we just do category-based navigation, but some, that's not how we always shop. Um, so, you know, an easy example here, and I think I, 
I show it later. But, you know, someone walks into your store like, hey, I'm looking for a dress. You don't just turn around and hand them four dresses. No, you probably ask a follow-up question. What for? Like, what's the, the dress actually for? So online, having dresses by the style of the dress or by the occasion you might wear the dress or by the length of the dress, allowing people to kind of narrow in on the different ways that they shop with you because people shop in different ways. Or solution-based uh, traffic, even things like, you know, filters on your collection page where people can filter down based on price points or brands or fits, colors, you name it. This looks different for every single brand, but filtering helps that experience. You know, I landed on dresses. I now want to filter down based on length. <clears throat> or, and then... I'm sorry. I was saying I just learned what type of shopper I am. So yeah, using those filters going through, that's yeah, you know, that that's where I'm at for sure. So uh, I love it. Uh, everyone shops into some people are search people, for example. Yeah. They don't navigate sites at all. They just live in the search bar. And so we want to make sure that we get them. Um, and then browsing traffic. You know, these are people that are bored. They just want a good site experience. And we kind of like, you know, if you're on a main street in a touristy area. You want your experience to be great so people walk around and, you're, and then in hopes that while they're walking around, they see something they just have to have. So what I love to do here is things like featured collections or curated collections that aren't about tops or, or furniture or any one category, but it's curated around what you do. So at your store, you might have an entryway table where you didn't, you didn't just put one category on that. You curated a bunch of things to go on that table we're doing that, but we're doing that online. Um, so again, the, what I've covered today is a lot of things that, that I think that if you focus on in 2024, which is where I always start, you know, I talked about in the beginning, like we have traffic, getting more people to our brand, more people to our site, conversion, turning them into paying customers, and then retention, which is getting them back and buying again. And where I normally encourage people to start is with that conversion piece, which is why I dove so much into the experience of your site and understanding what you do in store. Because if we go and we drive a bunch of traffic and we get on the hamster wheel of social, but our site's not actually selling, it turns into a hamster wheel. And at the same time, like we want that retention piece. And so my my hope for you today is that you, um, you know, really leave with a clearer plan of like, okay, how can we start to build a side experience that is capable of serving our customers? And, and so again, what I would love to offer you, and then we'll dig into any questions that you have. Um, we have that free toolkit, just free resources that are super helpful. Honestly, we typically charge for it, uh, but you can get it at madebycapital.com slash toolkit. And the shameless plug I'll make is if you don't follow me already, follow me at Retail Josh. Um, we do have the toolkit available. Again, that's at madebycapital.com slash toolkit. Uh, and then for those of you that have like your store has a lot of traction and you you know, things are going great in store and you're like, okay, but now I need to really take the success of my storefront and bring that success online. 
then I would love to invite you. You can book a free consult or where I will want to dig into, okay, where's your brand now? Where are you wanting to take it? Where does e-commerce fit in? Of course, like if it's something we can help with and getting there, we'll share what that looks like. And then if not, hopefully we can at least get you pointed in a good direction. These calls are most valuable if like your storefront's doing well and it's like, okay, now how do we take that success and bring it out, bring it online? So any questions, you know, Patrick, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I feel like I've learned so much from you as I'm kind of looking over the notes I was taking and I love the first of the the concept that you kind of started with that busy isn't necessarily having a strategy just because you're doing a lot doesn't mean that you have a strategy for what you're doing. And then, I mean, the whole, you know, having this, having your online presence be representative of your store, of your brand, of your personality and different ways that you can to get that to come through. I think that's so valuable because I know we've all come across websites that just, they don't they don't reflect what the store really is mm-hmm. um and i am the hail house um i mean the, what it was what, the two images that you show black and white uh you know awnings and everything that does not represent what that and what that brand is and so seeing that i mean yeah being able to show that through your through your website yeah uh, uh, yeah. Um, and I forgot to mention in the beginning. Also, you do a podcast, Retail Initiative, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fantastic podcast. If you are all our podcast listeners, um, definitely check out not only Josh on Instagram, but also also his podcast, Retail Initiative, too. Yeah, so. I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, other, I mean, as questions, hopefully people are, are writing, but you kind of touched on this and maybe it's more kind of a sit down, but um, and maybe it's a larger question, but how do you know if you are ready for really an online presence? Um, is there some indicators or something you, you know, the, the store is doing well, kind of what is, what are some indicators that you should be looking at having a, having an online store? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Cause that, it actually, despite the fact that we focus on helping brick and mortar retailers gain on, gain traction online, honestly, our most successful clients focused on their storefront first. Yeah. And they grew their storefront. And while they were doing that, they were growing a social following. They were growing an email list. They were honing in on who they were as a brand and how they serve their customer. And so for people that are like just getting started out, I would say like, don't really focus on it a ton. Take some of the principles that I talked about, a great hero image. And of course, like your store details and all of that, but you can generally just list products because some people want to see, you know, what you have before they visit, but you don't have to make it this massive priority because I would rather see people be great in one place than eh, average (laughs) in multiple places. And so I actually encourage people to focus primarily on their store to get traction. And once you have that and you start to have the capacity to you know, build a team, get these things in place, then that's a great opportunity to grow online. And because you've been focused on growing your store, growing your social following and growing your list, you will launch with a much bigger splash than you would have otherwise. Perfect. Brandon asks, uh, our brand has stores in several states and we do a very good job of cap- capturing customers from those areas to shop online but we've been struggling to capture people from areas outside of our physical reach. What are some good places to start targeting people outside of our stores and socials? 
Let me read that question one more time. Yeah. So I think getting people that come into their store to go online, mm -hmm. but how do I get more yeah. people to, you know, outside than the, the brick and mortar customers to also go online? Yeah. So it depends. So first, if your site is converting well, then honestly, I paid media is great for that. And, and typically you'll grow a following outside of your local audience as well. Now, a lot of times when I see this, it typically is a site that does not really reflect the best of what the store experience is like. It's like a site that sells products in store. It's amazing online. It's not. And, and so the site, even if it does okay, it typically is doing okay, piggybacking on the previous experience someone had in the storefront. So it's, you know, it's, I'm trying to think of the only analogy I can think of is like, I grew up listening to like pop punk emo music. And, you know, if you hear like Blink-182, which was my favorite band growing up and you hear them and it sounds great. But then that one time you hear an acoustic version of a song and it actually is not very good. But if you're a fan, you know, the original one. And so like you're piggybacking off of the great experience of the original version. Like, my analogies can be weird but it's like the only thing in the world I'm actually somewhat good at. I'm learning a lot about you though. Yeah, that's yeah. a <laughs> And so a lot of times our side experience kind of piggybacks off of whatever they had before. And so they trust you. They, they It doesn't even matter that first impression because they love your brand from what they experienced in store. And so if it's converting and your site experience does reflect that, then I would move into paid traffic through Google and through Facebook. Those are awesome. Um, if it isn't reflecting that, then I would start some with the side experience and you can low budget, start getting into paid ads, but that's where I would start. And, you know, maybe with the toolkit, you talked about SEO in there. Maybe there's some things that can mm -hmm. help kind of drive, um, you know, when you're searching for things, then uh, your, your site to come up with in that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, exactly. You know, what are in your uh, kind of viewpoint, what are some of the biggest things holding retailers back from really investing in their in their online presence? That's a good question. So let's say we have someone who their store does have traction and they probably could do really well online, but they just aren't. And they have these beliefs or these things that hold them back. I think a lot of times, one is beliefs that we have around, like, can we do well online? We have Amazon or we have Sheen or we have these other big players and can I ever do it? Or what about the fact that, you know, our wholesale is more than X big box brand. How are we ever going to compete on price? And there, there is these beliefs that all we do online is sell products. And because we can't see that we can really serve people and bring our unique value online where price doesn't matter as much. Cause when we're really like educating our customers and we're providing a unique value to them deeper than what big box does, you don't have to do the same, but if you're just selling product online and you're not really seeing it as a brand experience, then of course, like we're competing against Amazon. And so I think one just beliefs around what's possible online. It hold hold this back. Um, two if I'm honest, is a lot of times like I see CEOs, 
that as the business has grown, they have developed as a business owner and as a, as a CEO, they've gotten great at delegating, great at leading a team and the way that their store operations work. And then once they go online, they like backtrack to when they first started their business. And it's like, you know, we, we've had people that, you know, they own $5 million a year brick and mortar stores. And the owner is the person entering products and tagging items for their navigation. And it's like, you would never would do that in your that. storefront. You're not steaming clothes. Maybe you do from time to time because you're not above it. But generally speaking, you have a system that does that. And we don't like, we don't work to build up that same kind of team online. I think that holds us back a ton. Um, or we kind of get this scarcity mentality. And so we're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to spend a bunch of time photographing these products because they might sell in store. And it's like, well, but what if they don't? And then you just didn't spend time photographing. And so it falls on the back burner pretty quickly. Yeah. I think those are kind of the big things that hold us back. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea of it is more about building the brand. It's more about the bringing that experience that you have in store to your customers and mm -hmm. allowing them to feel that. And if you kind of you can translate that through your through your e-commerce site, um, you're going to get your customers there. They're going to stay there. They're going to be. Uh, you'll get the conversion rate. You'll have re more retention. Um, and yeah, really be able to have a, a multi that omni-channel um, approach to you know your store and and online. Yeah. Any other questions? Any from the audience or Patrick? Do you have any that I can help clear up? Um, let's see. Uh, I had kind of a couple notes. That, uh, one, as you were going, you were talking about um, changing out uh, the the hero image. How, in your opinion, how often should you be changing kind of the look or uh, images, you know, product images, kind of as they come and go? But like your main kind of fixture images through throughout your website. That is a great question. And it changes by industry, but here's the way I think about it. How often do you merchandise your storefront? That's how often you update your site. But think yeah. about merchandising for a second. Sometimes merchandising is you move this thing from here to here to make room for this. That's right. one level of merchandising. So that's daily or, or every few days you're adding some new products. That's it. Then you you have a deeper one where you're like, okay, we're going to redo the entryway table or we're going to redo this one section of the wall and make a new display here. You're not redoing the whole story. You're just redoing that one section. Well, that's updating your hero image or that's updating the featured collections and the things that you're showcasing. And then there is the other times that happens a few times a year where you might re-merchandise the whole floor. Big examples going into the holidays. Yep. A lot of us tend to completely re-merchandise. Well, let's re-merchandise our site in a very similar way. And so I love to remove the walls between what we do in store and what we do online. And I see it as what's our merchandising strategy? Well, then how does that play out in store? How does that play out online? And really they're one and the same. So see it as merchandising. I, I like to get as much as I can I love to get away from thinking about e-commerce as a technology and seeing it as like updating graphics or updating sure, yeah. software and see it as what the customer sees, which is just the sales channel. It's the expression of your brand online. And it's 
in reality, the first impression that the majority of people have of who you are. So let's yeah. merchandise it to reflect it. Good. Yeah. So yeah, it's an extension of your store. When you're doing things in store, you should be doing them them online as well, which yeah makes total sense. Um, but yeah, my kind of was like, oh, how often should you be changing? Well, yeah, it depends. That when are you changing your store too? That that makes sense. Huh. Yeah, and why I say it changes by industry is like a fast fashion a fast fashion yeah. retailer. It's like daily, whereas like a home decor business, well, that stuff, the inventory turns way slower. They're merchandising much less often. So they're probably going to update things much less often because it's, it's, you don't merge, you don't re-merchandise a home decor business near as often as you do right. a fast fashion business. I'm kind yeah. of using two extremes. Yeah. But fast yeah, fast fashion. You also wouldn't like do every day, but you'd probably do it, you know, monthly or kind of with new, uh, new different types of different uh, seasons or products coming in with that. So, yeah. yeah, excellent. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on today. I took a, a ton away. I'm sure Good. our listeners, watchers, did as well. Uh, whether uh, brick and mortar, I loved the question at the beginning of, you know, do you have brick and mortar and a large emphasis online, um, a small emphasis online, no online presence, even those that are working with other retailers or of Main Street organizations that, um, you know, everyone here can really kind of benefit from learning more about having an online presence and what websites should look like and how to really um, extend your brand into into that area so uh thank you so much for for being on today i, I really appreciate it i learned a whole lot so. yes it was so good to be here and for all of you thanks for joining us i i honestly can't wait to see what's next for your brands online so thanks Excellent. for being here yeah uh, a short plug for our next webinar, which is going to be at the end of January, I believe the 24th. I should have looked up this date before I started talking about it, but uh, the 24th, it's going to be about um, trends. So after January shows coming back, what are big trends that are going on? What are kind of new items, different things? So we'll be learning a lot throughout the next couple months and uh, talking about new trends for 2024. So that's going to be with Erica Kirkland of Gift Beat Magazine. Um, but really, it'll all be kind of not only gift products, but also just kind of an extension of trends that are out in the marketplace. So um, a, a question came in, saw you have something in Dallas, nothing in Atlanta. Yeah, so hard on Main Street, we are having an in-person um, education event in Dallas. So it's going to be about uh, merchandising. And we're having the Retail Works Inc. group that will be talking to customers, uh, retailers about merchandising. Unfortunately, I do not have anything in Dallas. Um, I'm sure there are events Atlanta. going on there. You don't have anything in Atlanta. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I don't have, we don't have anything going on in Atlanta. We do have something going on in Dallas, um, but there probably are events going on. I could look that up, send you all some information about different events that are going on in, in Atlanta during the shows there. Um, but yeah, we weren't able to, to schedule something for that, unfortunately. We are looking at the summer, having a, a different events at both. So um, again, thanks. Thank you everybody for, uh, for being on today. You will get a recording of this webinar. So if you want to go back, rewatch it, uh, if you, you need to go back to take more notes, learn more things, you absolutely can do that. Um, and any other future webinars you can register for at heartonmainstreet.org slash education. So thank you all very much and have a wonderful day. Take care. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank Bye. you. 
Seriously, such a great conversation. I took away so many things. I hope you all did as well as you were listening to Josh and learning about how to really make your online presence an extension of your store, how it can benefit your store and really add to the sales. So loved having Josh on. If you're more of a visual person, I know there were some things in there that he was referring to on his screen. You can, again, can always go and watch this webinar at heartonmainstreet.org. Our next episode, which will be coming out next Thursday, we're going to be hitting the road again, talking about our Main Street Monday series. And we're going to be talking about Last week, I referred to it as maybe my favorite Main Street Monday town that I've gone to, and I've reflected back on that. It's like having children. You don't have a favorite. There are different things. There are unique things, but honestly, this has been one of my my favorite ones so far. We're going to go visit the town of Hannibal, Missouri. Uh, which is a historic town. It has a literary history. It has a ton of great independent retail there. There was some amazing architecture, some amazing parts of the town that I just, again, I fell in love with. So I'm excited to be able to share with you about Hannibal, Missouri, talk to you about the different retailers there and the experience that we had as a Main Street Monday. You can always follow along with our Main Street Mondays by following us on Instagram or Facebook at Heart on Main Street. Um, We are going to be taking a couple weeks off of Main Street Monday as we'll have Christmas and then New Year's. So really we'll get back into that at the beginning of January. And then we'll be visiting as I go to some different shows. We'll actually get a little bit out of the Midwest uh, and be able to go to Texas and Georgia to see some towns there. So I am very, very excited about that. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really enjoy bringing this to you. I hope you enjoy the content that we're able to provide for you. Happy holidays, and I will see you before the new year, but if you don't listen then, happy new year as well. This episode was written, produced, edited, researched by me, Patrick Kaiser. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody.